it's it's an interesting class. Like it's a great idea, and hopefully it goes well in these schools. But like, think about what it's going to look like in ten years if it's in all the high schools. Like, yeah, you know, you're going to have created a monster because <laughs> then you show up and like like observe in one class and like, what the hell are you doing? And another one be like, well, that's that's better than me. Oh, that's great. Yeah. You know? And like, you know, there's going to be that variety, and it makes it. I don't know. I just think like that's the it's hardest horrifying. part. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is especially when you pour time and effort and energy and this is your passion you know and so this summer along with that um i'm trying or am writing the book for it i don't want to necessarily call it a textbook but just something to kind of give those guidelines but yeah i guess that's the big unknown is is what is this course going to be going to look like sort of do like a companion text or something yeah um so we mentioned this right before we started recording, but like you're doing that, you're doing that on your own time. Yeah. So like you're doing a lot of this work to create a class that you care about, that's important and all the rest. Um, how, how do you like protect your work versus the schoolwork? Like the curriculum is now the counties, you know? Yeah. So the county owns it and therefore I think the state owns it. Like, I don't know how that goes between counties, but that's it's like your baby that is sort of someone else's um and i've had this talk with uh one of the teachers who you know my school who for a long time didn't post like any of her stuff on the school website like she'd post an assignment but didn't link anything Mm -hmm. didn't attach documents she said well you know i just don't want to put it out there because i know other people can access it and that's my stuff and i I have never had the heart to tell her like that's not your stuff anymore like you know by the virginia code as soon as you've used it in the classroom or you made it for the classroom, like, it's theirs. And so the teacher-to-teacher stuff, teachers-pay-teachers, it's great. Technically speaking, everyone all over the place is just violating copyright law and and intellectual property stuff. When you try to create the book, or not try to, when you are creating the book to go with it, or a book that could work with it, maybe that's the language we use Mm -hmm. to make sure you get to keep it. Yeah, something like that. (laughs) Create a book that could work with it, like... How do you distinguish the two? Is that something that you're even worried about? Like, um, a little bit, yes. I actually got some great advice from Michelle Picard, our head of English, who we kind of talked about this because this is all new territory yeah. for me. You know, with it, I, I don't know. And she said, you know. Because it's not, the book is not necessarily something I'm teaching in the classroom, that if I go to push this into Fairfax, Montgomery County, that's where I can have my, you know, individual intellectual property because that's not taught in the class. And she said, like, you can reference anecdotally what you do in class. Yeah. But as soon as you, like, bring it into the room. Right. (laughs) Because I was actually thinking about this last summer. As I've, like I said, I've been trying to write more and do this stuff. And um, I had this idea about, like, you're, you're taking this awesome feminist approach and creating women's studies and all that. I've had a lot of success the last few years doing philosophy and English class. Like, you know, that's where I started on the thought experiment. Like, we do a lot of, you know, we do the trolley problem and ship of oh. Theseus. And, and, and I do in the academic classes, actually, too. And they actually get more into it than anybody. Like, when kids decide that, their answer to a thing reflects on them as a person. You know, it's uh, we're not grading an essay right now. We're just talking about it. You're going to write it later. Mm-hmm. They get really into it. Yeah. Like there's a and and that's great. And I thought you know, 
we don't do that. And our philosophy class in the county is taught through social studies, which, not that it can't be good, but I think it probably usually isn't because you're getting the history of philosophy. You're not asking kids to think on their own, at least as much. And so I want to make it an English class. And so I started to do some writing. And I thought, I don't know. So I called LEA. I called our association, not union. And they have an attorney, you know. And so I talked to him on the phone for a half hour. And he basically explained, like, if it's things you're doing in the classroom and using, then technically someone else owns that. He, go, he said, he goes, basically no one ever checks it. And so it's one of those things you probably just roll the dice on and assume you're fine. He said, but if it goes in, be careful. He said, if you do it completely separately, it's not specifically for use in your classroom and all the rest, because you're fine. If you write your philosophy of education, you're fine. He said, if you publish the lesson plans you've been using for the last two years in your class, Mm-hmm. That's somebody else's. And he used an example of a teacher in Fairfax, a music teacher, who created this curriculum and this whole, like, I don't know, he described it. It sounded very interesting and elaborate. And then wrote a book. And then said, hey, this is, there's this great book that we should use. And tried to sell it to the county she was teaching in. And when they realized that she's already published this book with this stuff, they actually had an intellectual mm-hmm. property dispute. And I don't know, the res- he said in the end the resolution was they split something or something like that. But, like... I think that if you're doing all the work, like how do you, yeah. <laughs> how do you, do, how much do you hand away? And and that's been a big. I've got a lot of different advice, and I've gone through different feelings about it. Um, and and it was one of those things when I looked into it, and someone gave me the advice to get it copyrighted. I wrote this whole curriculum last summer when I was not under contract, not at school, it's not a requirement of my profession as an English teacher to do this. To write the curriculum, right. Right, and so I got it copyrighted. And so then it kind of came, once I piloted this and it spread to other schools, well, I have to give them something. And so then now what I've done in working with those teachers this summer, we get paid for it. Um, for the curriculum designing hours, it is the counties. And so I, th- I think it'll just kind of be a step-by-step, step, how do I feel about this? And then also, like, what is my view of where I want this to go? Right. And I think as completely naive as it sounds, but especially since having children and I have two um, little girls, just want to change the world for them so right so, so the, it's like the I class want. existing is maybe more important than who right. say owns it in a right. specific sense and it's like um, it, it is a very hard thing to grapple with because i've and am still putting so much time and energy and and fighting for it and i am a very type a you know yeah. person but then i had to kind of ask myself okay what am i really trying to accomplish and again as cliche as it sounds like education knowledge is power like I think that's where we need to start to fix any problem is educate people on it and so you know if if it happens and it gets out of my hands but it's being taught and out there and and more people are knowledgeable these doing it yeah then at the end of the day maybe that's good right at least good enough so yeah so that's where I'm kind of yeah do you think like after I had that conversation with 
with the lawyer and, and he, he, he basically, his thing was like, he goes, if it's not obviously stuff you're doing in the classroom and you have some sample ideas of what to do and it's not something that you're already doing a lot of, he goes, you're probably fine. And he, and he said, to be honest, no county in this state and probably, he said probably nowhere yeah. in the country, do they have the money to pay a person to like, you know, search through Amazon or you know, Google everything and like to look. Like no one's looking. No one's ever going to know unless you do the thing where you try to sell it back to them. And he goes, he goes, so in that way, he goes, it's probably not an answer you like, but he said, do what you believe in and do what you want to do with it. And in the end, you're either going to hand it off or you're going to do your own thing and just hope nobody bothers you. And right. he goes, and I think in all likelihood, no one bothers you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you got to decide. And I, I, I ended the phone call thinking like, that is massively discouraging. You know, mm-hmm. if we talk about, um, like, how do you improve schools, which is one of my, like, three questions, right? But, like, one of the things that a lot of people say is, you know, you pay teachers or, you know, which is great. And that's, that's part of it. I don't know if that's all of it. But I think a big part of it is, like, professionalism, that it's hard to attract the best people yeah. because you don't, you don't see any outlets for like advancement. Like, you know, like I said, mm-hmm. you, you only, your only raise comes because you didn't get fired, not because right. you did something great. And, and so if you know that you can create all this great stuff, but it's not necessarily yours, like I think that discourages innovation. Yeah. You know, and I, th- I think in a state where our state legislature is on average fairly conservative, the idea that they would support the county owning what the teachers are doing in the classroom is kind of counterproductive because these are the same people who would argue that letting small businesses work without regulation and own their stuff and do the thing creates the innovation that's, you know, builds communities Mm -hmm. and does all this great stuff. And it's like, but apply that back to what's happening in the classroom. Like, you should own all of it, (laughs) you know? And it's not to say that you should be like gouging taxpayers on it either, but I feel like it's a discouraging thing when you find teachers who are motivated enough to write a curriculum or to write a book and to do that. And the fact that they even have to question, mm-hmm. um, is this mine or how does this go, I think is a huge problem because the kind of teachers that we say we want to attract are also the kind of teachers who are going to do what you're doing. And then when you call into question, like, well, what is yours? Like, man, you're not paying me enough to do the rest of this, so I need to have it in the end. Um, I think giving teachers more rights to their own stuff and more professional trust in what they're doing would be a step. Like, and it doesn't have to be about that. Sorry, I ramble. No, Um, it's... But, like, I think, like, it bothers me a lot because I look at, like, teachers I work with who I think are very good and I just think, like, you're so limited sometimes by the structure you work in or by you want to do this innovative thing, but then you don't know what's going to happen afterwards. And that's not helping you attract right. better people to the profession. So uh, when people say, you know, what would you do to improve school? I've got a million ideas, and one of them is a set of things you could change to attract better talent. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and uh, that's not just money. But, like whether it's money or ownership or anything like think outside the box if you could yeah. change school and make it better I mean you can make the school day longer make it shorter go year round do every day's a field trip like anything like what are the things that you would want to do that you think would make school better oh my goodness like, I mean like, like and yeah. you can give me one thing you can give me ten just as a teacher what do you see um, I think kind of like you said, more freedom. Um, and that's 
precarious given that you're not going to always have, but like any job, you're not always going to have the best people doing that. So what they choose to do, that freedom might not be beneficiary to students, but you will have teachers who come in and will use that to do amazing things, things you've never thought of before to like teach history in reverse. Like that's a little thing, but I think that was probably so beneficial and still is. And that ability to do that. And then we can get into the whole, and how many schools wouldn't allow it? Right. You know, how many principals or whoever wouldn't even allow it? And I think that's that's where it kind of starts. And I mean, we've been following this whole system for so long, like this very, um, what's the analogy, like kind of... Um, You're like industrial school yes. system. There's that like drawing yeah. video thing that yeah. we watched a couple times and like why we get the summers off because of like farming. That's like, well, we don't do that anymore. We're not an yeah, agrarian yeah. society. So, yeah. So few people do it. They right. use, yeah, like yeah. that's why are then we structuring our school system in Northern Virginia around that when that's yeah. not it yeah. anymore. Yeah. yeah. Year round with bigger breaks. Would right. And there's brilliant. <laughs> I've even read things probably easy. on, um, you know, we divide class grades by age. Well, not everyone is at the same ability at the same age, mentally, emotionally. Yeah. And so why is that that a... I, that was, I wrote a short article for my website about that. Um, it was some, I forget what it was called, but something about on-time graduation. I just remember sitting in a meeting where, um, and my principal is awesome. Like, I'll call him Dave Spage. Call him yeah. out by name. Like, um, he is the number one reason I have a 45-minute commute. I haven't tried to get closer to where I live is because I have a very good situation. And he was talking about, you know, what are we doing to get some kids to graduate and do the rest? And he used the term on-time graduation a few times, and I just thought, like, that's, when it, that's BS. Mm-hmm. Like, that is a stupid idea. And I'm not saying he, but right. just the concept, and I know he was relaying something that came from his boss, from that boss, from whatever. If you're serious about kids learning the stuff and you also know that people learn at different rates, then why is it so important to graduate on your 13th year? Yeah. You know, at the end of 12, when you're 18, like, why can't a kid hang out until they're 20 if they need it? Right. And, and they say, well, you know, we got to do the rest. And this is how you know it's, it's a, they're making a bad argument. The, the person who's talking on time graduation is either an idiot or is doing the bidding of an idiot. Mm-hmm. Because if you're serious about just on-time graduation that we want to get them out as quick as we can that we've done our jobs why aren't we pushing for early graduation we have a ton of kids who can graduate oh, when they're 15 16 mm-hmm. they have the skills they have the knowledge they can pass all the tests oh, yeah. if you're really serious about moving them through in an efficient way and getting them to a job or to college there's no discussion of early graduation mm-hmm. and we don't like late graduation which means all we're really doing is stuffing everybody into this one timeline that doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. except for setting a budget <laughs> like yeah it's literally a budget question and no one ever says that like and that's a, my husband's also a teacher you know we talk about a lot of the people putting these policies in place whether it's the policies for teachers what we need to be covering doing or for students like you need to pass these SOLs and graduate at this time aren't actually in the classroom and, and seeing that day to day and I even explained this to students with like the SOL, in any standardized test, yeah. you know, you, you think of it, how are we measuring knowledge, intelligence, what you've learned? Um, there was a girl, uh, this is years ago, my department chair at Briar Woods, 
would do SOL tutoring, and she was from China. Like, brilliant, brilliant student. Could not pass the reading SOL because of the language barrier. Nothing more than just silly idioms that unless you've been an English language speaker yeah, for your yeah. whole life. The, the things you, you almost don't even teach. Like you, raining cats and dogs. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's right. But, and then you, and so I would explain that to them and it's kind of that step back and it's like, yeah, if you're seeing that on a question and English is your second, sometimes with these students, third, fourth language, right. and that's how we're measuring your ability yeah. to, and it's, like how, you, yeah, right. how, how differently you're, I mean, I, I had that argument one time and it never reached any useful conclusion but I asked what I was like I understand in English class that you have to take this test in English but you have a lot of kids who struggle through like a